Lynn Hiles Ministries presents That You Might Have Life. He said he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. So Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible said in him was life, the life was the light of men. The more light you have, the more life you're going to have. So you can have peace was on me. That's why it's called the gospel of peace. He took your punishment so you could get his peace. He took what you had coming so you could get what he has coming. All around the country and around the world, people just like you are awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ. What God wanted to do was release the kingdom of God in your life until the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the Holy Ghost would so fill your life. I don't want to just make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. I trust you have been tuning in every week. If you have not, we are in the middle of a series. We're probably about six weeks into a series. We've been teaching on the book of Revelation. My oldest son, Jeremy, has been my guest for several weeks. We'll be probably for the next several <laughs> weeks. And uh, it's good to have you on the program again with you, Jeremy. Good to be here. Uh, once again, Jeremy pastors a great church in Winchester, Virginia. They planted a church there just a couple of years ago. It's thriving. They meet on Monday nights. There's information about how to get to one of their services uh, on their website, and we'll post that on the screen here shortly. But you can find out where they're meeting at. I think there's a map right on their website and everything. They meet on Monday nights, and uh, you owe it to yourself to go by and be part of their services. Right now he's teaching from the book of Revelation, and I believe you'd be blessed by it. Uh, in uh, some of the recent segments, and like I said, you can go back and and uh, watch them on YouTube. You can go back on our website and watch them anytime you want to because they are archived there so that you can catch up to where we're at because there's so much stuff that we've been sharing uh, that you don't want to miss that I believe will really bless your heart. Uh, but one of the things we began to delve into last week, we started dealing with the first church in the book of Revelation. And what we're going to deal with over the next several weeks is the message to the church in the book of Revelation is a message to repent. Now, before you turn your television set or flip the channel and say, this is guy going to be another sin-conscious preacher, just hold on just a moment because what you're going to find out is that what we're dealing with is not just a sin-consciousness here. We're dealing with what repentance really means, and that means to change the way you think. And what God was doing in these churches what the Spirit of the Lord is really doing in this early church. And see, let me say again, uh, by way of review, that this book of Revelation was written to seven churches that were really in Asia in the first century. And the reason that's so vitally important is because these were the churches that were in transition from an old covenant mentality to a new covenant mentality. They were being brought out from underneath of a thinking, in other words, they were the most transitional church uh, in human history. Uh, when you see the things that Paul writes to, uh, to Ephesus, for instance, and we're going to go there before this segment is over, I think. And, uh, and, and again, we're dealing with the church here at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. But Paul was dealing with the church at Ephesus when he writes some things. He's dealing with the church at Colossae. He's dealing with the church at uh, Philippi. He's dealing with the church at Thessalonica. There are real churches that were in real transition. 
And they were coming out from underneath of a form of government called law and the mosaic system into a new form of government called the kingdom of God and its currency being grace and faith. There's a vast difference. The reason I believe it's so important that we're sharing some of these things is because they still have relevance to us today. Although I'm not the church at Ephesus, there's still a lot of thinking that needs to be changed. Matter of fact, the tragedy to me, Jeremy, is here we are 2,000 years into the new covenant, mm -hmm. and we can't get the church past the first couple chapters because uh, they refuse to change the way they think. But I believe the powerful message of repentance is more than uh, just a repenting from sin, and I, I'm not doing away with that. If you're you know, an unbeliever, you do need to repent of your sin. But if you're a believer, then the repentance that's going on now is a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And what we begin to share with last week is that these churches were moving, and uh, the very, it's amazing to me that the very first church that he deals with at Ephesus. He writes to them, says, Under the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works and your labor and your, your patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them to be liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my namesake has labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except you repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. I don't know if we'll get that far in that text yet or not. But one of the things we began to share last week was that these seven churches, before the Lord will ever require any kind of change of them, He will always, first of all, give them a revelation of who He is to that church yeah. that will change it. And so He doesn't first come up and say, hey, here's what's wrong with you. He comes up and says, look, this is who I am. I'm the one who's got the seven stars in my right hand. Yeah. And I'm the one that walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So I want you to know two things. Number one, I'm in the middle of this church. Yep. It's me that's in the middle of it. you got to get a revelation of who I am in the middle of the church. I'm walking in the midst yep. of these churches. And the second thing he wanted them to see is these seven stars, which are, he tells you in chapter 1, these seven angels or these seven uh, stars that are in his right hand are... Uh, 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 the one that holds the seven stars in his right hand, but he tells them that the seven stars that you have in your right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, here's the mystery of it, the seven stars are the angels, literally the messengers or the pastors of the seven churches. So he's given this revelation to them. He's saying, if they're not in my hand, they're not in my right hand, then they're not valid. And, and what's powerful about that, we started sharing last week about the man with the withered hand. We went back and showed that how that Jesus comes to a man on the Sabbath day, and that man is is got a hand that's withered. To me, uh, the Sabbath day, and again, the book of Revelation is occurring in verse 10 of chapter 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And the Lord's day could be seen as the Sabbath or as the Day of Atonement, whichever it is. It is absolutely, even if it's a Day of Atonement, it's in the seventh month. So it has everything about this is screaming rest, Sabbath, finished work, redemption. Mm -hmm. Everything is flowing from rest. Yeah. 
But when he takes this man whose hand is withered, and he says to him on the Sabbath, stand forth and stretch your hand out. I believe what he's saying prophetically to the church is stand forth, have the guts to stand up from the perspective of rest, the Sabbath day, the finished work, and stretch your hand out to a humanity. Not your balled up fist of you know, angry apostles, prophets, not the back hand, not the, the, but the hand outstretched because you powerfully said this last week and you could jump back in if you want to and touch it again, but you powerfully said this last week when, when the man with the withered hand was healed, uh, Jesus says to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day to kill or to make a lie. Mm-hmm. Jump in there a little bit for what that, you know. You know, and, and when you look at when you when you look at these two, it's it's uh, what's going what what we've done, what we've been taught to do, in our uh, religious upbringings, is to always look for what is wrong rather yep. than what is right. Uh, out of these seven churches, there's only one that God doesn't or that is not written to them to repent or have a mind change. Yep. And the reason why is that church is operating in love. Yeah. Uh, the, this first church, Ephesus, the first, the one thing he says is that you have forgotten your first love. In yep. other words, you're so busy uh, with all the things that you're doing, judging apostles, you know, works, works and, and labors, labors, all labors the things and works. that you forgot that w- the whole operation of what we do has to come out of love. It yep. has that that the, the scripture declares that God is love. That's who he is. It's the very nature of what God is. And so that if that's the nature of who God is and this is a revelation of Jesus Christ and the apostle Paul would say it's here's the mystery. It's it's a revelation of Christ in you the hope of glory. And so that revelation of Christ in you is that if God is love, that means everything that I am has to flow from that same love. What we've done is that when Christ would ask about the man with the withered hand, is it lawful to do good mm-hmm. to, or to do evil or is it uh, to uh, kill or to give life? Mm-hmm. What we've chosen is the same thing the scribes and Pharisees would do. We've chosen to do evil and to kill rather than to give life. We have, we've always been on a sin hunt. We've always been on a, how, we've always looked at the world and we've declared, you know, we're, we get excited when there's bad things yeah. happening in the world. Yeah. When, you know, when, when, when 100 people are killed uh, in, in some foreign country, even in this country, uh, Christians almost get excited about it because yeah. we think that that's, that's what's going to hasten the Lord doing something rather than looking at it as uh, something that should really prick us to the heart and say, what, what can I do to unleash the love of God in this place? When Jesus would walk, when Jesus was in his earth walk, he was never looking for what was bad in the world. He was looking for what he could restore back yep. to the place it was meant to be, what he could do as an answer to those situations. When he would come, when he would come to a woman caught in the very act of adultery, he doesn't point out everything that's wrong with her. He doesn't come in a posture to kill her. He comes in a posture to give her life. And a says, hand you know outstretched. A hand outstretched and says, woman, uh, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. In other words, he doesn't give her another commandment. He gives her something that empowers her. He gives her the very nature of love that empowers her not to sin any longer, to walk away from yeah. that place empowered by who he is. 
And so I believe in this first church, that's what he's doing in this first church. He's showing them the posture of a hand that is restored, a posture of a hand that's not looking to lord over somebody, to hold them down, a balled up fist that's ready to beat them, you know, uh, backhand them, dominate them, but a hand that says, let me help you out of the place you are in. Let me operate from love. He says, you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten that's the nature of everything that you do should flow from a nature of of the love of God. How do I help somebody? How do I restore them? How do I get them from a place of, of, of from the poverty they are to realizing that they are rich, that they have a father that that is king of kings and lord of lords, and that you, we can help them from those places, changes in their mentalities from uh, a posture of being, uh, I'm, just, I, I'm just a wretched sinner. I can't be anything yep. more. I can't get out of this place, no matter how hard. You know, we look at the scriptures that the Apostle Paul would write in Romans, and he would say, O wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of sin? And, you know, the Apostle Paul would say, you know, every time I try to do good, evil is always present. I can't ever, you know, everything I want to do, I don't do. And we look at that as, you know, we think that's the nature of Christianity. That's that's just how it is. But that's not what Paul, Paul was writing that. That's the nature of being under the law. Yeah. But what Paul's answer, he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body? Who shall save me from this body of sin? And he writes and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. In other words, the answer that keeps you from that mentality, from yep, that, that way of living ride of Christianity. is yep. that you turn to a Savior. You realize that Christ paid the price for you. He put you, He came yep. to restore you back to, from a place of a fallen creation back to a place of a garden, a rest of a garden. And this whole, this whole unveiling of Christ in the book of Revelation is getting these churches. If you're ever going to change the world, the first thing you have to do is change the mind of the church. Yeah, Because if our mindset is wrong, and we're, our thinking is wrong. How do we change the world to think correctly? So the first thing he does is he comes to these churches and say, I need you to change your yep, thinking yep. before I ever deal with the world. Yep. I have to deal with yep. your way of before thinking. Before I ever deal with creation, i got to deal with this. Yep. Because, if you, because you're supposed to be the answer. Yeah. You're the one. You're, you're, the, you're the sons that I brought into glory so that you could increase and multiply. Yeah. In other words, make more sons in the yeah. world. Yeah. And so the, if I'm ever going to change the world, the first thing I have to do is change your way of thinking. Yeah. And, and, so, and even this, Romans 8 says that the creation is groaning and travailing to be brought into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So if we haven't been brought into glorious liberty yet, <laughs> we sure can't help nobody else come into it. Yep. And so the first thing he does is he comes to these seven churches and says, now, like I said, we said last week, this whole book, I believe there's 22, 21 chapters, 22 chapters in this book of Revelation. The whole thing is not is is written to these seven churches. Yep. It doesn't stop with the with chapter two and chapter no, three. No. The whole book is written to these yep. seven churches, because he's get, he's trying to change their mind to show them a revelation of Christ in them. Yeah. Because if you get a revelation of Christ in you, then you'll release. Then Christ will be able to operate through you to touch a hurting and dying world, and to and to save it from a destruction, to bring it into a life. What is he asked the man again with the withered hand? What is good? What what is right? To do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To give life or to destroy? The, our answer should be the same as Christ. Stretch forth your hand yep. to begin to do good, to begin to bring life. And so if you're ever going to do that to a world, you have to change the thinking of your own sons or to the church. Yep. Let me show you this right on the, the I mean, right in context. Ephesians 4, and I think it's interesting that this is in the book of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus or not Paul, John is in, mm-hmm. in uh, the Revelation. But in Ephesians 4, it talks about these fivefold ministries of apostles, prophets, 
evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Yeah. Number one, in a lot of places, they don't believe in apostles or prophets. They believe we still got pastors uh -huh. and evangelists and teachers. But that's like cutting three, two fingers off. Yeah. If you don't have a thumb, it, I can't reach over and grab that cup without yeah. a thumb. I can't feed myself. I can't hardly do it. I'm crippled. I'm withered. So if we don't believe in them, first of all, we mm -hmm. got a problem. Now, he is trying them in the book of Revelation who say they're apostles and finding them to be liars because real apostles will point you to Christ. Mm -hmm. False apostles will point you to themselves. Yep. Real prophets will point you to Christ. False prophets will point you to themselves. But on the heels of this Ephesians 4 and 11 and all through, and I know some people think that the, even these things, that the apostles went out you know, with the yeah. early church, but it tells you that they will be here until. It's an until. It's a time until we all come. And the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's how long we're going to be here. But then on the heels of that, this is something the Lord spoke to me 20 years ago or better that really was the one of the pivotal points that shifted our ministry towards grace. And it's in verse 29, but it's in the fourth chapter, same chapter dealing with fivefold ministry. He says, and man, the Lord rebuked me with this. The first time I ever heard this scripture in my spirit, I was flying to Boca Raton, Florida, and the Lord spoke to me on an airplane, and this is what he said, verse 29 of Ephesians 4, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edification, or edifying, mm -hmm. that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has already forgiven you. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said to me, let no corrupt communication go out of your mouth. And I'm thinking, Lord, what are you saying to me? Uh, am I saying some curse words that you, that you have I picked mm -hmm. up some language, some words that you don't approve of? And the Lord said, I'm not speaking to you about what you call cursing. I am, however, speaking to you about cursing yeah. because there's a lot of cursing goes on in the pulpit. And what I mean by that is we curse the people of God who are not cursed. We'll, we'll deal with yeah. that in the third church after a while. But, uh, you know, the church, I believe it is at, uh, at uh, I believe it's Thyatira or the Pergamos mm -hmm. where he talks about, you know, the, the cursing people that are under a curse. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Lord said, I am dealing with you about, about cursing. I said, Lord, what do you say? He said, when you get in the pulpit and he said, and, and what comes out of your mouth is not to the use of edification or to the use of yeah. building people up and bringing them to their true identity. If it's not under the use of edification, and if what you're preaching does not minister grace to the hearer, then it is grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah whereby we've been sealed to the day of redemption because it's flowing from bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. And you know yourself, man, I, and, I, and, I, and I say this in all humility because all of us have been here until the Lord deals with us. I've preached from anger myself before, from wrath or trying to browbeat God's people or manipulate them into something until I begin to see this. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said to me, that's corrupt communication. And if you get in the pulpit and you browbeat my people, what you're doing is you're killing on the Sabbath day rather than giving life. Yeah. You are not got a hand that's not withered. This hand is the first thing he's revealing to the church. I believe it's powerful that we've got these segments where we're talking about because this, this hand that was withered had to be restored on the Sabbath. We've got to bring ministry back to the place where they are flowing from the posture of rest 
They are flowing from the finished work. They are flowing from the rest of God. They are flowing from the grace of God that is empowering and ministering grace, building up God's people, because if it doesn't, it's corrupt communication and it's grieving the Holy Spirit of God because it's not bringing people to their identity. It's bringing them back to the problem of the church at Ephesus over here in Revelation where it's all about your works and your labor and your labor and your works and you've done it. Bless your heart for my namesake. I mean, we did it because we thought that's what pleased God. All the stuff we did in religion that we thought was required because we sat under these apostles who were angry. Who were, you know, of course, the longer you're in religion, the matter you get anyway. <laughs> but yeah. the truth of it is, they were angry. They're, they're, what was coming out was clamor and evil speaking and wrath and malice. And, and it was not ministering grace to the hearer. Yeah. And it was grieving the Holy Spirit of God. But I believe we're seeing a real change in yeah. that, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, too, is that, you know, the, when, we, the, the, when we look at the book of Revelation, what we, you know, what people, ha- what, we, what we have been traditionally taught is that, uh, this is what's going to produce the Lord's appearing. And it's absolutely the truth. But I believe that the appearing that's, being, that's, that's happening in this book is not something that is afar off. Right. Uh, I believe it's something that comes to the people of God. That when we begin... It's to, a revelation of Christ in the candlestick. It's a revelation of Christ in you. Christ in the church. Yeah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. And so when you begin to... When that revelation comes, you know, what it, you, when Jesus came on the scene and he would go to a man who just... His daughter... 13-year-old daughter's dead. And Jesus walks into her and says, rise, damsel. Mm -hmm. And she gets up from that death. I bet you that guy thought, man, heavens just came to me today. Yeah. When a man man who was lame or blind his whole life, and Jesus would spit in the mud and, and the guy would receive his sight, that guy probably thought heaven has just come to earth. Yeah. You know, when a man who's lame his whole life gets up and he's able to walk and he goes and he's, you know, leaping and jumping for joy because his legs that he couldn't, you know, he's he, yeah. every day he's, he's lame and, and he can't do anything. All of a sudden, all that's restored to him. That man probably thought this is heaven on earth. Yeah. My whole my life is just changed today. What if that ever dawned on us that that same power of sonship has come upon us? Yep. That when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the adoption of sons. We receive the same power that Christ had. And that that power was given to us, not just for a special uh, prayer language that we have with the Lord, but it was to bring heaven to earth. Yeah. That he told his disciples, when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. In other words, he said, I want you to bring heaven to earth. I want you to pray that heaven comes to earth. And you're going to be the conduit in which I use to bring heaven to earth. But in order for us to do that, you have to change your mind. You have to repent. You have to start thinking like a son would think. You have to start looking that it's not about, you know, trying to work and trying to produce it, trying to make something happen, trying to beat people into submission. But that everything you do, everything Jesus did, he did from love. He would look upon somebody that was lame. With compassion, yeah. he looked upon him with love. Yeah. And he said, that's not how I created it to be. And so moved with compassion, he began to heal things. He began to put it back into the place or back into the way he created it to be in a perfect state in a rest of a garden. And so the first thing he says to this church is that you have forgotten 
your first love. In other words, everything that you do has to flow from a posture of love. You can't look at a sinner with contempt. You have to look upon a sinner with compassion because that sinner didn't get there because they want to be there. They got there because there was a messed up way of thinking. You have to look at it with compassion and begin to change the mindset of even that person and say, you know what? This is not the state that you were meant to be. You You were destined for greatness. You were meant to be something more, but you have to begin to change your mind. You have to begin to repent. I believe the repentance even of sinners is the same as it is for the sons of God as we change the way we think. Yep. We begin to change how we perceive ourselves and how God sees us. Yep. Because God doesn't, you know, Jesus came and truly, the, the John said, uh, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe Jesus absolutely did that on the cross. Now does every man uh, understand that's what's true of him? Absolutely not. That's why we have what we have in the world. Yeah. But if we ever come to a people and begin to change and say, "Hey, there's already been a there's already been yeah. a price paid for you. There's already been a redemption that you can have exactly what Christ yeah. had." It begins to change people from a state that they have no power to get up out of sin or out of the situations they're in to begin to empower them to get up and say, like the apostle Paul would say, "How can we who are dead to sin?" live any longer therein. In other words, I'm empowered. I can't do this anymore if that's not my identity. Yeah. Why am I living below my potential? Why am I living below who I am when there's a better identity? But if they've never seen that identity, never been given a picture of who Christ is and never had somebody do change their mind in love and begin to edify them, then how are they ever supposed to change their mind? In other words, I believe that the whole, uh, these seven churches, the repentance of these seven churches is God trying to change the mind of the church that they first have to change how they think. They first have to begin to think like sons so that they can bring other sons into glory as well. And so we begin to stretch forth our hand in a loving way that says, let me help you out of the place you're in. Yep. And and I believe that's just, just exactly what no wonder he does this at this first, you know, the very first thing on the agenda is addressing, uh, you know, is, is literally addressing this apostolic voice, first of all. And you, as we go down through here, see the first one will deal with the apostle. The church at Pergamos will deal with uh, Balaam, prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church at, I believe it is, Thyatira will deal with uh, teacher, Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them are dealing with pastors. Every one of these churches... Uh, he's dealing with the messenger that's in the hand, and he's adjusting them. Mm-hmm. He's he's restoring a withered hand. And then just like I said last week, John said, when I saw him, in other words, when I saw him walking in the midst of the candlestick, I fell down on his feet like a dead man, but he laid his right hand on me. Yeah. And this man who had a withered hand was his right hand. And then chapter 2, under, he's got the seven stars in his right hand. Yep. So when I think about him laying his hand on me, I, I do believe in laying on of hand. Absolutely. But I believe, Jeremy, there is a real big hand that God is developing right now. And really a lot of young men like you are coming on the scene that are in your age bracket, even yep. great men. Uh, we can name a bunch of them, but if I name one, then uh, <laughs> the others would be mad if I don't. But uh, we've got a lot of great men of God's sons, ministry sons to us that are uh, literally part, I believe, and, and not just our group, but all over the world, God is restoring this hand yeah. because He's about to lay a massive hand on creation. 
He's about to lay hands on creation to turn this thing around, and I believe to bring them back to their first love where everything flows from the posture of rest. Everything flows from the love. And we're going to come back and, and, and talk about some of the things uh, later in this church that they receive from changing. But I'm telling you, if you're watching today, you're a pastor, you're a five-fold ministry evangelist, pastor, teacher, man, allow the Lord to just speak to you from the posture of rest and let all things begin to proceed from the dimension of edification that it can minister grace to the hearer. Because if it's not flowing from the posture of edification where it builds people up, uh, then it is grieving the Holy Spirit of God because it's flowing from clamor, from anger, from wrath. And I tell you what, God wants to bring a peace to that where it flows from love. Uh, thank you for joining in this week. Let me just quickly say, take a moment to call that number on the screen. Uh, go to our Facebook page and like us on our uh, ministry page and stay in touch with us. Let us know if you're enjoying this program because that lets us know to continue on this series. Take a moment to sow something into the ministry because that's what keeps us on the air. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his father. Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.